Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com slash podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. It's the end of another day of patient care and Frank D is tired. Today's patients included a recurrence of one person's colorectal cancer, severe marital discord in a set of new parents complicated by verbal abuse, but fortunately with a healthy baby and two more patients saying they're not getting the COVID-19 vaccine because of things they saw on the internet. Frank's inbox is full of forms to sign along with many tasks in his electronic health record. Frank's beginning to think, red or white wine when I get home tonight? Is he burned out? Hi, this is Dr. Frank Domino and joining me today is Dr. Christine Runyon, clinical health psychologist and professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. After starting her career as a psychologist in the U.S. Air Force, Dr. Runyon focused her research, clinical service, and teaching on behavioral science in family medicine, as well as promoting models of integrated primary care. Dr. Runyon is also a mindfulness teacher at the University of Massachusetts Center for Mindfulness. At the height of the pandemic, she founded Tend Health, which specializes in private, specialized, and accessible mental health care and education for healthcare professionals in consultations to healthcare organizations. Thanks for coming today, Tina. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, um, so this is me today. This is this is every day in practice. These last few breaks, uh, these last few weeks. Yeah. Can you uh, take a few minutes, Tina, and just refresh our brains a bit? about how the chronic stress of co the COVID-19 pandemic is physiologically affecting those of us in healthcare. Sure, because I, I think that those of us in healthcare are, um, you know, at, our, at the core, we are humans too, experiencing all this. And so even just answering that question, as Frank burned out, I think Frank is being asked to do what is nearly an impossible job um, this past year and looking looking for solutions to that problem that don't quite hit the mark but at least temporarily serve as some kind of elixir because their physiology is being really affected by um by this pandemic and feeling like we are being asked to do things that um are feel insufficient by the end of the day and that the task list keeps growing longer. And that keeps our threat appraisal system pretty activated. Our central nervous system has, you know, this automatic stress response that is controlled through our sympathetic nervous system. And when we feel really um, threatened in some way, and obviously there's no direct physical threat in this scenario or in most of our scenarios, hopefully throughout our day, there still is this sense of not doing enough, not having the right tools to be able to meet the need and just overall exhaustion. So when we're faced with that kind of stress for as long as we've had it, our body begins to break down under that stress because there is what we call an allostatic loop that is unmitigated and there's not enough time to recover. 
recovery. And so when you have that kind of stress that's happening for as long as it's been happening at the level of intensity that it's happening, you have all of the uh, chemicals and hormones and neurotransmitters that are activated through our stress response that are coursing through our body unmitigated and in a, in a relentless way. And so you have some end system breakdown, which will always lead people towards um, activities and habits that are helpful in the short term, but ultimately continue to create more problems downstream. Yeah. Well, I, 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 uh, I think the, the two components of the increased stress and then not a time, not enough time for recovery is, is a true thing. Not yeah. being able to take a vacation or, you know, knowing that there's so much extra work that you, you when you have time off, you, you drift right back to it. You, you want to empty your inbox. You're always trying to, to at least get caught, caught up. So Tina, along with the illnesses we're seeing and the deaths of our patients, the stressors of patient vaccine hesitancy built around, you know, some internet myths, all, all these things are, are starting to wear us down. Um, what are some simple things that we can consider doing each day to help address this increased volume of stress, this, this increased load, as you say? So I think most of the things that we can do that are within our agency um, are relatively simple, but they're not always easy. And I often think about these as how do we um, how do we help our inner environment, our inner culture? And so those are things that um, allow us to recognize that we don't have a lot of opportunity for recovery from stress. And that's really ultimately what builds resilience. And so we have to create those opportunities ourselves. So one of the things I really like to encourage um, people to do is a moment of reflection that says, what did I do well today? And our minds are so inclined to exactly what you said, which is just keep plugging away at the task list. And if it's going to get stuck on anything, it's going to get stuck on the thing that we didn't do or we forgot to do or that didn't go the way we wanted it to. So we have to very intentionally incline our minds towards noticing something positive. So what did I do well today? I think having another sort of internal mantra that we can um, evoke when we are saying some really critical things to ourselves, which happens for a lot of healthcare providers. Um, something that's really accessible and true, but also soothing. So something that I have been saying to myself is, may I forgive myself for things left undone? and just recognize that it is a nearly impossible task that's being asked of me for as long as it's being asked. And so can I just, in some ways, say something to myself that I would say, right, if you called me on your way home after that day that you just had, I would say, can you forgive yourself for things left undone? Can you recognize something that you did well today? And be able to offer those to myself, for example. Um, Another simple strategy is always just working in the body. And so as much as um, our, our minds and our bodies are connected, 
and sometimes we use a lot of thought techniques to help downregulate our body, it can actually work in the other direction. So we can use our bodies to help regulate our emotions and our moods. So things like um, doing some, uh, some breath techniques, you know, just even a couple of deep breaths, particularly a long exhale, can be really helpful to calm the nervous system. A long exhale will activate the parasympathetic nervous system that actually helps to downregulate all of the activity of the sympathetic nervous system that's activating our fight and flight system. So just even a long exhale, breathing in and out through the belly, or something that I often do is I will um, bring my hand to my chest and particularly if I can feel my hand connected to my skin. We think about this when we cuddle babies or hold babies. This is a very sensory experience that can activate some oxytocin in our, in our systems. And that can, um, our bodies can give a message to our brain that we're safe and that we're kind of being held in a way. So it's a way to actually work in the body to help regulate um, what can be very act and very active mind or emotions. I want to say that it truly rings a bell to hear you say, talk about saying negative things to yourself. All I ever think about is I'm insufficient. I haven't done enough. I need to do more. Um, I find myself focusing on the few things that are wrong instead of the things that are right. Uh, a number of years ago, I started keeping an electronic gratitude journal because it's very easy to focus on uh, things that didn't go right and not stop and look at all the things that are right. So I, I like what you said, um, noticing what I did well today, something I'll truly neglect every day. Um, that internal mantra piece I think is, is critical. Um, I've done lots of belly breathings before. Can you tell me a little bit, or can we just practice with the, our, our listeners a little bit about what I'm supposed to do or feel when I put my hand on my chest? Yeah, so, um, so I invite listeners, literally, if you can, to just in your, place your palm on top of your heart and feel that connection. And if you can do it skin to skin, all the better. Oftentimes that will be a cue that you don't even have to think about physiologically where you'll notice your breath will actually change or settle along with it. And so that little release of oxytocin and the little bit of breath change should actually create a sense where, you know, your shoulders might drop away from your ears a little bit. You might notice your heart rate and your breathing settle a little bit and hopefully a little bit of um, comfort or ease in the body. So a little less tension. And if we can do that, you know, even for a couple moments, particularly if you can pepper it throughout your day, it will also just prevent that stress level from rising exponentially throughout the day. That's exactly what just happened. I mean, all of a sudden I was aware of my pulse, mm -hmm. but I was also aware of my breath and I was able to slow things down a little bit. It's, it's great to have that connection. Um, one thing that Jay Winner, who's a family doctor out in California, suggested I do when I was talking to him about this over a year ago, was he said, find a small picture or an image that makes you think of something happy and post it on the door right before you're gonna go in to see patients. And I actually have, my daughter does watercolor paintings 
and I have one in my office and I, if I'm racing around and all of a sudden I see it, it's like, take a deep breath. It's, it's going to be okay. So that, those were great. Those were really terrific concrete skills we can learn. I, I do see though that uh, the issues that we have now are probably not going away. Um, to a certain degree, social distancing is going to become a thing that's going to be with us. Masks are going to be prevalent for at least months. Uh, vaccine and vaccine hesitancy, we have to improve upon uh, or we'll never reach that point of herd immunity. So, and things are going to still be controversial. That's going to require us all to change. And change is really hard, especially for a group of healthcare professionals who like really, really concrete rules that, that don't. How can you, do you have any advice for us about how to, how we can be better at adapting to this new world? So I really believe that resilience is innate within all of us. It is a skill we can learn and a skill we can build upon, but I do believe it's innate within us and we are adaptable. We have shown that throughout this past year. But when I think about adaptability in terms of where we are now and where we're headed, um, my mantra has been slow and steady. And the reason for that is because anxiety inherently will move us away from things. Fear and anxiety move us away from things. And there will be some people that will continue to feel that fear and anxiety and not want to return or have their kids return in some capacity. Um, but if we do it too quickly, if we, if we get out too far out in front of it, we're not only going to cause problems probably related to um, you know, the, this virus, but also to our own nervous system. It's basically that shock to our nervous system and we might recoil. So to not avoid, but to go slow and steady. And I think that applies both for us as, you know, clinicians, but also really good advice that we can give to people to um, expect that you're going to have some activation as you return into these settings. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, and it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Your nervous system is actually working exquisitely because it has learned over this past year that to go into a public setting means risk. And so it's just carrying that message forward. It's working as it's designed, and we can we can work with it if we go slow and steady. And so I think both for clinicians, healthcare organizations, but also to be able to give that message to your patients can be really helpful. So, so far we have um, to a certain degree, not saying negative things to ourselves and learning to be more, um, to use a commonly used phrase, mindful of, of our own humanity and, and learning to calm our, our our sympathetic nervous system down. And, and now the advice to go slow and steady. We're not gonna get this perfect. We're not gonna make these changes. The anxiety and apprehensions that we have and our patients have is real. One thing I'm seeing amongst my peers is folks who seem to be close to the end of their rope. Um, uh, we see post-traumatic stress disorder in, in our patients following war, following abuse. Um, and now we're experiencing it amongst ourselves. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure where we go, but certainly I find my healthcare professional peers, my staff, everyone's in a very different place than where we were 14 months ago. What, what, how do we know when we're at the end of our rope? And, and what, are, what, what do you recommend people do 
as sort of a self-check. And then if that check is positive, how do they take the next step? Yeah, well, you're really pointing to, Frank, sort of why um, why we started Tend Health, which is really to provide a refuge and a sanctuary for healthcare professionals to get some uh, some mental health care and to work with healthcare organizations to provide this. There remains just an incredible stigma. And in, in some ways, I have to say, I'm not sure that Heroes campaign really helped all that much because when people are feeling so um, anxious and unsettled and exhausted, that's not how a hero feels. And what will happen in that case is you compare yourself to this ideal and that self-critical voice just wedges in even further and somehow you're deficient. And so I worry, um, I do spend a lot of time thinking about this and worrying about this for healthcare professionals because there is this tendency to think that somehow that is a measure of weakness or insufficiency rather than just recognizing that this has been, um, again, you're being asked to do a nearly impossible job for as long as you're doing it and needing some support and needing some help is um, is not only okay, it may actually be beneficial for you and particularly if you can do it before you're really at the edge. One of the things I think we all can do is being che is check in with our peers. And I'm gonna encourage people not to sort of ask the question, um, are you okay? <laughs> because the, the reflexive response is, I'm fine. And I often say fine is feelings I'm not expressing. And so it is this reflexive response to say, I'm fine, because that's, that's the expectation, but to really try to come in alongside of it. And I want people to know that there is help available, that it is very, we have effective help for when you're feeling, you know, exhausted more days than not. If you're feeling panicky in any way, if you're feeling like you can't do this anymore, like you, um, want to go live on a deserted island and not have anybody ask anything of you. And then the less sexy version of that is you don't want to be around anymore. Um, and all of that is your brain creating off ramps for this experience. And that's what your brain is doing because it's saying, I need, I need a rest, I need some kind of respite. So those are real indications to reach out for help. And then if any of the attempted solutions like the red wine, white wine, <laughs> which can be very, you know, can be effective in the short term, but if any of those attempted solutions begin to be problems of their own in terms of any kind of, you know, substance use or other sort of risky behaviors or taking um, uncharacteristic risks, if those are showing up for people, um, then it's time to get help. What I know about physicians in particular is they will keep showing up to the job. They will show up to the job um, even under a lot of duress. And so we can't necessarily use that as the metric for needing help. And um, to have this collective understanding and awareness through healthcare organizations that it's actually not a sign of weakness to get help. It's a sign of courage, it's a sign of strength, and hopefully ultimately a sign of culture change. So um, I, I did have, I have asked people how they're doing and I love that acronym about fine. <laughs> um, I have one person say, I get up every morning and I dread going to work. And then once I get there, I'm okay. But just the whole process of getting there. And I said to him, you know, that's, that's, that's not normal. If that's really how you're feeling, you, you need to talk to somebody. 
Um, so I, I thank you, Tina, for joining us today and, and having this discussion. I think you've given us a number of very solid practical ideas. Uh, for the audience, um, the, the link to Tend Health will be on, uh, on this page, on the landing page for this podcast. Additionally, um, that we have a few lectures on burnout that uh, will also be hyperlinked there. And, you know, talk to your peers, talk to your friends, see how everybody's doing. If, if you're one of those people who says fine, but, but isn't, um, find some, some place, some way to reach out to a peer and, and, and don't be afraid to ask for help because as you noted, Tina, we, we all tend to just keep going, keep plugging along and, until we're, we're down in a hole. Um, so I urge you all to, to take good care of yourself. Um, try not to say negative things to yourself. Um, be conscious of your, be mindful of, of what you say to yourself and what's going on in your body. And, um, and like I said, uh, if you feel like you need some help, don't be afraid to reach out. Tina, thanks again for joining us today and uh, everyone be well. Thank you. And thank you for all the work that you do every day. Practice pointer. Remember, you may be bruised by this pandemic and all the associated stressors that have come with it, but you're not broken. If you find yourself dreading going to work each day and doing things that are uncharacteristic with your personality, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.